It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger. It's the good old days of silent films. I think they still do that. We were uh, recording them earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. Trying to do video. All right. We're here? Hey, we're hey. here. <laughs> Welcome to the shores. To the shores. Yeah. How was your Easter weekend? Um, busy. We we're just fixing up the house and kids everywhere with the sports and stuff. So, did y'all do uh, Easter egg hunt? No. Do you do that? We have every year except for this year. Really? So, so yeah, I don't know why we didn't. I never liked that. Really? Even as a kid? Up. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. It annoyed me. <laughs> I think it goes back to what we were talking about last week. The, the the whole like Easter ceremony never made any sense to me. Oh, interesting. But I saw somebody posting so you online. your kids of that? Well, I saw somebody posting online that they did uh, an adult Easter egg hunt where they hid bottles of wine. Oh, nice. And I was like, see, that's that's a hunt I can get on board with. Bottles of wine and condoms. And <laughs> uh. So, first of all, I just want to say thank you to uh, those of you out there who have left comments and engaged conversation with us on our, on our YouTube channel and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's been really cool. Yeah, that was super fun to hear people talk about stuff and kind of answer back and mm-hmm. comment again. <laughs> yeah, please. That was, a, that was fun. So cheers to y'all. Yeah, definitely. And cheers. Again. Clinking. <laughs> uh, so I think we're going to try to pick back up where we left off last week, which is always a difficult thing to pull off mm-hmm. properly. Because by the time you're like an hour and a half into a conversation, you've got so many threads of thought going and all of a sudden you see how they start to intersect and it's this sort of like eureka moment flow state Mm -hmm. kind of thing uh and we don't have those running anymore because it's been a week since our last conversation but yeah we'll give it our best shot (laughs) i guess where were we at the the question that we had so we at length set up the idea of well we we talked about Mm -hmm. easter and and what it meant and we ended by talking about this idea of um measurement so we talked about when you have something that you're trying to do in your life, it's like a target. We talked about sin being, uh, the original term was hamartia, which meant to miss the mark. So you attempt to do something and you fall short somehow. Mm. And one possible solution to that is to not set up the target, essentially. Don't specify any criteria by, what, by which you might be successful and then it won't feel like failure. Hmm. And I think the the sort of intersecting threads that I that were really pulling at me there at the end of that conversation was I think I said in the last episode that that is to do that is nihilistic and disassociative. Hmm. To say I'm not going to essentially set up any criteria by which I might be measured. And that's nihilistic because if I don't allow myself to be measured, then what am I? Mm. Who am I? Yeah. We are who we are relative to something. And it seems to me that we're doing this. It's like a society wide project to remove measurements of anything. Mm-hmm. So there's two. So I'll start just by talking about school testing. So one popular remedy or suggested remedy to students not performing well on standardized tests is to just stop testing them. Mm. And then you don't have the problem of them not performing well because we're not checking, right? Another solution could be, well, we need to change the way that the students are being taught or we need to try to require more homework or more time studying you if you set up a measurement for yourself and you don't like the way you're stacking up to the measurement you either have to change yourself or you change the measurement and i think it's a really bad thing to change the measurement hmm. well i guess it depends on you know sometimes the measurement needs to be changed and that needs to be more accurate um you know if if you're uh, 
you know, if, if something's happening, well, I mean, again, it's, it's an aspect of, of, uh, of what the criteria is to meet in order to like get into school or something like that. So you Mm -hmm. have, you have a test and it measures something, but we also know that that doesn't measure everything. And so, you know, we kind of want to see like, what, what is this, what is this person capable of as far as, uh, you know, grades in school, like they're, you're taking their whole four years of, of how they've performed up to this point. And so it's a little bit different from like an SAT. Um, and then there's also, extracurriculars and you know how they participated and and other things outside of uh just their academics so i think there is this part that you do need some sort of criteria and just getting rid of one or two or three of them it's you're still gonna have to another criteria has to take its place and i think that's the part we struggle with is how do we get criteria that helps us better accomplish what we're intending to do. Cause I mean, I think that's the question is, is like, why do we have criteria? What mm-hmm. is its purpose? And that seems, that seems to have gotten lost in sort of this, you know, take away standardized testing. Well, what did standardized testing help us? What was it, what was it showing us? You know, I think that's the point mm-hmm. that <clears throat> I like the way that you just put that is what is the cri- criteria doing? And it should be improving mm-hmm. whoever is measured against it. And to the extent that the criteria isn't helpful in improving, then the criteria should change. Yeah. But if we measure something against the criteria and find that it falls short, and we say, well, it's falling short, so let's change the criteria, mm. I think that's when the world gets smaller rather than larger. What's well, interesting, too, because in this, in this discussion about... Um, why are we going to change the criteria? I mean, again, I think this is a really easy one with school testing and SATs and that kind of stuff to go into college or, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, that's the, que- that's the question I don't feel like they're asking. So like, why did we have this test in the first place? Sort of like the Chester's and fence. It's like, mm. they're going to take down this fence, but they have no idea why it was there in the first place. Explain the Chesterton's fence. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't, I don't, I forget the story part of it, but I'll just tell it in my own words, <laughs> <laughs> these guys come up to a fence and they're going to take it down and they're, uh, and someone comes along and says, Hey, do you know why that, ch- that fence was there? I think that's how it goes. You know, better than me. So <laughs> I just make up shit as I go. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, a mental exercise proposed. By, oh, I thought it was a story. <laughs> I don't think it may be a real story. I don't know. Hmm. I've always heard that it was a mental exercise, a oh. thought experiment. Yeah. Gotcha. By proposed by G.K. Chesterton, mm. the uh, British author. Yeah. So if you're walking along in a field and you come across a fence and it's in your way, mm-hmm. you might say, let's just tear this fence down. That way we can continue on our path. And he said, you shouldn't tear down any fence that you can't tell me first why it was put up. Mm-hmm. The idea is that that fence was serving a purpose. Otherwise, no one, it, was, it wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And that purpose may be outdated. It may have been to protect something that no longer needs protecting or the threat is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you might be able to tear it down without causing damage. But if you don't understand why it was put up in the first place, tearing it down is likely going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. So you should at least be able to say why it was put there mm-hmm. before you change it. It's funny because I really hate standardized tests. They just drive me absolutely. Just personally? Yeah, just personally. Like, like you don't like taking them? I don't like taking no them. No one likes taking them. Well, I also don't do very well on them. Like on my SAT, I got, I think I was 760 overall, <laughs> which is like absolute crap. I was probably drunk too the night before. But, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I just never like standardized tests. So. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's a good question. Did you not like the standardized test because you didn't do well on them? Mm-hmm. You think if you did well on them, you would have liked them? Uh, well, I do think it's not. It's not for. It doesn't. I think generally speaking, standardized tests are helpful to get a gauge of where people are at, and I think there's also a small percentage of people where standardized tests don't work that well. But doesn't mean you should get rid of the standardized test. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm like smart or anything like that. But like my my SAT at 760 was not representative of my knowledge and understanding of you know the subject matter. Hmm. 
Uh, so what would have been representative of your understanding? I have no idea. I mean, not, I'm just not, that was not, uh, I was a shit ass student probably. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's a, I, I didn't figure out the game, the school game until my junior year in college. Mm. So once I figured out the school game, I made straight A's. My what junior, it, what is year. it that you figured out? Uh, that <laughs> that no one's really interested in you learning anything, but that you that you you write to the formula, mm-hmm. and when you when you write to the formula, then you get good grades. I think that's a pessimistic way to put it. No, I, I think so too. But <clears throat> that that's the part is like the learning part was my favorite part. Yeah, but. So I had to learn to how to translate that into um, how you get the grade. It's like I didn't really know how to write a paper well until uh, my junior year, maybe sophomore year in college. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember being really taught how to write papers except for like maybe in middle school or mm-hmm. freshman year of high school. So that makes sense. Well, a friend of mine finally after – He's like, man, your paper's shit. <laughs> like, you need to, like, he sat me down and like helped me with my next two or three papers, and then it made sense to me after after that. It's a good friend. It was a good friend. Yeah, was is he is it's a good friend. <laughs> He's that still can with tell us. You that you're shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he was the one that had to correct it all the time. So he, yeah. was, he was like, let me show you how to do this. So I, I the idea that no one's really interested in you learning. That can be, a, that's observably true, at least anecdotally. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody goes into the education system that, yeah. like, at least originally they want to have mm-hmm. a, assist and guide in learning. Mm-hmm. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why that would fall apart over time. I mean, people become jaded and frustrated and bitter in any career. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that teachers would become that way. Yeah. So I think that there are plenty of teachers, especially, let's say, at the sort of college undergrad level, mm-hmm. in my experience, that really wanted people to learn. But it can be also true at the same time that the educational system can be gamed mm-hmm. and you can actually get good grades without learning. Or, and you could also learn a lot and not mm-hmm. get good grades. I mean, because I was, I was in AP classes in high school and, you know, like history, science, biology, all, all the stuff. But there, I think the reason why I did well in those classes is because it was it was a higher challenge, and so they were they actually were they were more engaged with me. But the ones that were not that engaging, it was like it didn't really work out so well. Hmm. So that's kind of the point that I'm trying to get to okay. is the more challenging classes engaged you more, mm-hmm. and there's like a really simple observation there that that which is. The more challenge there is, the more there is to be engaged in. Hmm. If you reduce the amount of challenge, there's less to be engaged in. Oh, good point. And you're more likely to be tuned out, Mm -hmm. bored, distracted. Increase the challenge. The response is you have to increase focus. Mm -hmm. You have to increase engagement. And this is the same thing as saying if if we lower criteria... If we lower our units of measurement, yeah. we make the world a smaller place. Mm-hmm. You make the classroom a smaller place. Yeah. And the response is, you're not going to become as much as you could be. I think that we really want to keep the things that we measure ourselves against high. Mm-hmm. We want to keep that criteria somehow out of our reach. That's what it's there for. Yeah. And the bigger you can make the units of measurement trying to find a good way to say that the bigger you can make the measuring stick Mm -hmm. which is to say the higher the ideal Mm -hmm. aka the higher the target that you're shooting at the more you will become Mm. it isn't as though you are who you are and you're going to perform how you're going to perform and the measurement criteria is arbitrary against that That's not the way anything works. Mm -hmm. You set high goals. You set transcendent ideals. You specify the criteria for those. And the world expands and becomes huge and Mm -hmm. you grow into it. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I mean, as you're as you're saying this, I'm I'm also thinking of if you just think of science in general, or let's just take a, a astronomy or uh, just uh, the U.S. space exploration. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part of it that at first we're just going to shoot somebody in a rocket with a with a bungee cord to the moon. And it's like, well, that didn't work. And so you find this like the specificity that you have to have in order to, you know, shoot somebody to the moon. And then even then it's Wait, like, what was the bungee cord? Oh, just like, you know, like, like a kid, but kids that were before we had, you know, the rockets are like, I want to go to the moon. So we're going to like shoot you up there. Like, like a slingshot. Yeah. Thinking it's yeah. like maybe 200 feet, you mm-hmm. know? And so there's that part that, that as we, as we evolve and grow, that criteria becomes more and more important, or it's sort of a de-evolution if you start to take away the criteria from what you're trying, what you're striving for. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Like, like if you, if you want a low resolution rocket that you have to use a bungee cord, you're not going very far, you know, <laughs> but the more, the higher resolution that, that those, your goals are, or your, the information that you have, the more accurate you can be. But each time you do that, you, you learn how far off you are. Mm-hmm. So you, so it's like, so you also, you also perceive the problem a lot more clearly too, the more that you refine that, um, those criteria that, right. that you understand. Well, I love this this uh, analogy to mm-hmm. what we're talking about because there's that JFK speech where he says, we choose this decade to go to the moon not because it's easy but because it's hard. Mm. And it, that's such an inspiring speech. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something because it's hard. When you do something that's hard, you simultaneously test yourself. Mm. And there's a hypothesis when you attempt to do something hard, which is, am I up to the task? Do I have what it takes? Can I solve this problem? Do I have the tenacity, the patience, the intelligence, the imagination, the vision, the prowess? And you don't know, it's, a, it's an open question. Mm-hmm. And you go and you try and you do it. Like, I don't remember the date of that JFK speech, but it was within that decade that they landed two men on the moon and the, the number of things, problems that they had to overcome to accomplish that task with, <laughs> I, I can't give specs on the size of those computers, but, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's an amazing, an amazing, amazing story. And mm-hmm. I, I really do think that that vision was cast, at least in part, by JFK. And the question that America had to ask itself was, well, are we up for it? Can <clears throat> we do this? Mm-hmm. And it's an open question. It's a legitimate question. I heard um, it was like a Q&A with Jordan Peterson and his wife, and somebody asked him about Joe Rogan. Hmm. And he said, the amazing thing about Joe is that people come on his podcast. He has these people from all over the place, and it's just people that he wants to talk to. And he just asks them his questions, and they answer him. And it seems like a trivial thing, but he asks questions that he actually wants to know the answers to. Mm. No, he's not asking questions that are going to lead the guest into his you know, sort of <laughs> political uh-huh. game or try to change them or mm-hmm. try to validate himself. He's just legitimately curious. Mm. And so he asks a question and he wants to know the answer. Yeah. And I think we asked ourselves, can we do this? Mm-hmm. And sort of simultaneously, we really wanted to know the answer. Mm. And we also had some sort of like trepidatious confidence that the answer was going to be yes. Hmm. And we went and did something and we became more than we were before. What do you think that, because I think when you're saying this, it sounds like as a society, we were almost like, I think JFK sort of proposed that question, but you could almost see as a society in the U.S., we were asking ourselves that question. Like the going to the moon was a, was a sort of, uh, zeitgeist at that time, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of captured yeah. the imagination. What do you? What would would you say something that is equivalent to that today in our present? Well, this is, <clears throat> I I I don't think we have one, hmm. and this is part of the problem and why I say that the culture seems to be engaged in this task of removing all the measurement criteria. Hmm. So. 
this the school testing, you know, removing standardized testing was one one example of that. I think there was another example of that in the summer of 2020 following the George Floyd um, ordeal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. Yeah, it was protests, a lot of stuff uh, around all that. Yeah, and it was like, I remember having conversations with people about all kinds of issues back at that time. You know, one is an issue of race, another is an issue of police brutality. And anytime I would have a conversation with somebody about either of those subjects in which I referenced studies or statistics, you know, even from like Harvard professors, Stanford, the response seemed to be like, oh, I'm going to close my ears and go, la, 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 la. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Or you, you cherry picked your statistics or something. Yeah, like that. or they would mm-hmm. try to invalidate it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, then show me other statistics. Show me other studies. Show me other stats. Like, can we, can we start somewhere real? Mm. And the answer seemed to be no. And you saw this, you know, I think obviously the word gaslighting has been a part of our, our culture for the last couple of years at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember it being a thing before about 2020. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the COVID stuff. You know, are, are we actually going to discuss how many people are dying from this disease and things like comorbidities and age stratification? No, we're not. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like I'm going to plug my ears and drown you out because I can't behave the way that I want to behave if I measure that against any kind of real criteria. Hmm. And so we're, we are in the process of saying, well, we're not, we don't want criteria because criteria infringes on the way that we want to live. And that's, that is part of what it does. Like mm-hmm. if you set up an ideal and a and and a criteria and a way to measure yourself against it, and you that well, that's going to be hard. You are going to have to change yourself against the criteria, against the ideal. That's why it's there, actually. Yeah. But if you don't like that and you don't like that it's hard and it's it's um, you know infringing on your comfort, you could just say. Well, I just don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't know about the danger of COVID, then I can behave however I want. Mm-hmm. If I don't know about the reality of racism or the or police brutality, then I can continue screaming about whatever cause I choose to sort of shoehorn into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like rather than a unifying ideal, whether that's well, we're going to go to the moon within this decade. We we have this project of the dissolution of all ideals. Hmm. And no one should be measured against anything. No one should ever be judged. You know, that's, I think that's, why, it's interesting. Like the word bigot, mm-hmm. I don't think really, I don't remember it ever being used in the 80s and 90s. Or the tw- early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And now it's everywhere. You could probably look to one of those Google searches <laughs> and see, you know, the frequency of use over time. But well, there is definitely a, a proliferation of sort of catch words. I mean, everything from like Nazi, bigot, racist, um, uh, uh, privileged. It's definitely like a, it's it's more of a shutdown word than it is actually what it means. It, it, it like you have to, you have to then you have to then validate or justify why you are not. Well, that's exactly my point. It's being used so much now, not mm-hmm. because it has a relevant meaning that is describing something oh, gotcha. in reality. Yeah, it's used as a shutdown word. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to plug my ears and drown you out. I don't want to hear what you have to say because it would force me to respond in some mm-hmm. way. And I don't want to respond in some way. I want to be left to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And that occurring at a cultural level is really, it saddens me. Hmm. Specifically because in the end of our last conversation, we set up the idea that the story of Easter is essentially okay now you can be who you really could be you're free to be who you the best that you could be Mm -hmm. but the best actually means something Mm -hmm. the best is differentiated from the worst Mm -hmm. you know you have many possibilities ahead of you 
and you should and should want to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Mm -hmm. Which means that you're going to have to have some vision of what that looks like. Set the ideal high. Mm -hmm. Ultimate, like as high as you possibly can. Ideally, something like God. That's the sort of North Star highest ideal imaginable. I mean, I think that's what God is. Mm -hmm. And you should compare yourself to that. You should move toward that. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, if you set a high ideal, a high vision, and you act in accordance to moving toward that, the world becomes bigger. I mean, it's like when you move into the AP class, you're, it's more challenging, it's harder, but you're more engaged. Mm -hmm. If you take God and you bring him down to a president or a mayor or your dad, the world gets smaller and you're less engaged, you're more tuned out. Oh, that's interesting. It, it's almost like uh, if you could think of it as a progression too, because as a child, you know, you look up to your, your dad and you're like, wow, he's bigger than life. And at some point your dad's going to disappoint you. And then you have to find something that's a bigger, so usually you'll turn to a movie star or an athlete and you're mm -hmm. like, wow. And you're, you, you, we're always looking to something that's just outside of our, outside of the possibility of, of who we are mm -hmm. to measure ourselves against. And, and I think that's when we were saying that I, I could see that how that progression does lead to sort of that ideal, something that's beyond mm -hmm. a superstar <laughs> in a sense. And that's why we have, I mean, even the, uh, Sorry, the story of Christ, there's that, it does frame that ideal in that way. That's not, uh, that's not Superman where he never gets hurt. He, you know, basically, mm. what do they call it whenever he, he's, he's over engineered and Superman's over engineered? I don't know. Uh, well, so like he gets boring because there's, he's not, right. you can't kill him. Mm -hmm. And, oh, look, we killed him. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Death is antithetical to Superman. <laughs> yeah. But like with, with Jesus, it was a little bit different in that he died as a human and rose into his like spiritual aspect or whatever, you know, it's like, well, that's me. I'm about to get too theological in that. Mm -hmm. um, that was last week. That was last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, just to kind of circle back to the, the ideal part and kind of working your way up as you're a kid, you know, growing from your dad to a, maybe a movie star or a superstar or a, a athlete or something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, we do have to find something to measure ourselves against, even contend, you know, contend with like, you know, like you and Allison, you know, I contend with you guys as far as, uh, measuring myself. And, you know, we, we also give each other information, you know, as far as like, Michael, your, your mouth's open when I can see all your food, <laughs> <laughs> be more uh, civilized. <laughs> But that's good stuff because that tells you it's like, oh, well, if I'm just going around everywhere and my showing everybody my food in my mouth, they'd be, you know, it's like I would not have any friends. Glad to know the information. But yeah, it's like you're close yeah. enough to me that you can tell me like, you're hey, welcome. Michael. That was that really you, happened tonight. Don't chew with your mouth open or, or speak with your mouth open. You know, or Allison tells me things that, you know, it's like, hey, babe, you know, you should really think about that. I'll be like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, but you need that sort of feedback but they're telling but the, what someone's telling you is like you can be better than who you think you are mm. and pain uh, is information pain is information i do want to get into the negative aspect because there, there is okay. a shadow part to this but we don't have to get into it right now so let's do it well i think there's shadow aspect to what shadow aspect to the sort of um to sort of the ideal and aiming aiming at something and having criteria that you're measuring yourself against because I think there is a sort of, there is a, a shadow or a, 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 a perversity, to, perversity to this too, is that you could be measuring yourself against um, unrealistic or uh, um, maybe even wrong criteria as far as like, you know, you wouldn't, you're, you're as a three-year-old, you cannot expect to be a five-year-old. It's something to aspire to, but you also can't, there's some, maybe I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wandering around here cause I don't really know what this is, but 
I do see some sort of shadow aspect of having either the wrong criteria or not understanding. Maybe it's maybe it's more like I'm not understanding the process of of how you move forward in life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. It doesn't so, make sense to me. So. <laughs> make sense of it, Matt. I mean, I heard the words that you said, and I knew all of them. I knew all the words. <laughs> um, Good. <laughs> so criteria can be applied. What's the word? Abusively. Mm-hmm. But also the response to failure to meet, to live up to something Mm -hmm. can be responded to abusively. So if I attempt to, trying to think of a good example, if I attempt to, let's say, pick up an instrument I've never played before and like fiddle, never really played fiddle, love fiddle though. Yeah. And I want to play some bluegrass tune that I heard and I attempt it. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to play it. Mm-hmm. And I can either say, God, Matt, you're such a piece of shit. You're so, sh- you're so shit at this. Mm-hmm. That's, that's being abusive in response to how I measure up to something. I shouldn't measure up to a great fiddle player. Mm-hmm. I just started, you know. But that doesn't mean that the criteria shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. It just means that I have a long way to go. Criteria should be there. I mean, after all, I picked up the fiddle because I liked the way that this other fiddle player played this song. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's not that you should change that criteria. It's that I should change the way that I, you know, and maybe imagine then too that my dad's there mm-hmm. and he starts yelling at me for being such a piece of shit at, you know, why can't I play that fiddle yeah. or whatever. So it's that the acceptance the way that we respond to not living up to something needs to change. Mm -hmm. It should be like, okay, you, you failed to do what you wanted to do, which is play the song, but that, you know, that's okay. You just started. Mm -hmm. So here's how we're going to now address that. It's like, you need to practice these scales and learn these individual movements and, you know, spend a couple of months on those. And then we can come and try it again and put it back together. And you'll have learned some of these very, uh, intricate micro muscle movements that are going to allow you to get closer to hmm. the goal. You know, but the opposite of that could be the, the criteria can be applied abusively. So if I go to a, let's change the analogy. And I'm going to stick with music to um, piano. So I go to a piano teacher and I'm 12 years old and I, I've played a little bit, you know, And I sit down and this piano teacher is really, um, really serious, Mm -hmm. really intense. And she takes out Claire de Lune by Debussy and puts it up on the, uh, whatever the prop easel on the piano. What is (laughs) Uh, that's called? And, uh, and I, I barely read music and she's like, play it. And I can't. And then she yells at me for being terrible. Get out of my studio. You're not good enough to, for my tutelage. Yeah. You know, that's sort of an abusive way to respond to not being able to meet up mm. with the criteria. Yeah. Cause it was criteria and you know, you weren't able to fulfill that mm-hmm. in that, in that instance. I mean, is this, is this maybe something that we're talking about specifically in the college admissions things is that they're saying, Hey, it's, it's just unfair to measure people in that way. So I don't, I don't know enough about that. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that there was observed differences in the racial makeup of the people who were passing Mm -hmm. SATs, for example, Mm -hmm. that was displeasing to certain people. Yeah. And they said, well, let's just change the test or get rid of the test. Mm-hmm. And that way, it's basically saying, well, that way we don't have to look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. No one does any worse than anyone else because we don't ask them to do anything. Yeah. Problem solved. Um, you know, it would be the equivalent, I don't know, of like, to, to use that in the piano analogy, that teacher was mean and yelled and I didn't like that. So maybe instead, how about next session, I just come and we just talk. 
we don't even play piano. We're just going to talk. It's like, well, what did, you know, this isn't therapy. You came to learn this instrument. You, hmm. you have to have something. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, what, it, it, I think that's the part that we're we're missing some of these quite some basic questions here. Is is what are you trying to accomplish by having the SAT and getting into school? Is in order to learn a certain uh, certain sort of uh, I want to say tome of knowledge. And if you if you're coming into college and you don't have the basic skills to then enter into a more advanced uh, learning system, mm-hmm. well, somehow we need to measure that. Do you have at least can you add and subtract? You know, do you know right. what a verb is, a subject is? Because if we're going to stick you into a higher learning and you don't have these basic skills. That's like unfair to you to put you in that situation. Right. And so, so there's, there's that, that idea of, you know, that's why we have sort of tests or standards or criteria because we also want to, don't want to put you in a, in a, in a situation that's tr- seriously unfair. Like the 12 year old, <laughs> you know, going to the, the piano teacher who doesn't know how to read music yet. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of just unfair to that kid to, to expect that. Um, well, it's interesting, the question with the testing thing, I guess the question becomes like, well, why do people go to college anyway? Mm. Why do we want people to go to college? Yeah, true. And on, on the individual level, you could say, well, we want people to be educated. Mm-hmm. Why? So that they can have good careers. But there's also another reason, which is that we want a society full of competent people society has an interest in that because society has all kinds of structures that need improving and all Mm -hmm. kinds of institutions that need safeguarding and all kinds of endeavors that need to be attended to and that's just the maintenance of the existing you know we also need to push out into new frontiers of knowledge and into new frontiers of technology and innovation and Mm -hmm. Well, how are we going to do that unless people get as well-educated as they can? Mm-hmm. Like we should want there to be, for example, I think, Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand quantum physics, but I want other people to, you know, and I don't know aerospace engineering, but I want other people to know that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want really high you know i'm i'm not a surgeon Mm -hmm. but i want people to go become the best surgeons that they can be Mm -hmm. go to the best schools have the best teachers be subjected to the highest scrutiny possible yeah standards and criteria that's a good it's a good uh situation to think about it's like maybe you don't even think about yourself like if your mom Hmm. is going into surgery do you want the surgeon and the anesthesiologist to have taken the SAT? And do you want them to have gotten a high score on it? I mean, my feeling is, yeah. Like, I want those people to be... Yeah, step one. And then like, step one. Past the MCAT would be a yeah. <laughs> step, step three or four down the road. Right. Yeah. You know, because what does that say about somebody? Okay, well, maybe the school system's bullshit and you can game it and nobody there really cares about learning. Um. Maybe it is just about grades and not about actual learning, but well, at least it tells me that that person who's going to be cutting my mom open and putting her to sleep, which is a potentially deadly thing to go, to undergo. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they had the discipline and the tenacity to just show up, <laughs> learn the game, and uh-huh. play it to a level of success. Yeah, and then and then it's like okay, it, if they had that ability, and then they went on to go to medical school and took the MCAT and did a residency and, you know, could operate under those extremely high pressure situations. Mm -hmm. Good. But if we remove all the measurements for that, you know, I can't judge whether or not an anesthesiologist is competent at his job or a surgeon's competent at their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't go in and vet them myself. Mm -hmm. I need, we need systems to do that for us. And if we, lower that criteria, we lower those barriers of entry, or even just remove them altogether and say, hey, anyone who wants to be a doctor can be a doctor. Yeah, That's a problem for society. 
I was even thinking when you were talking about the anesthesiologist and, you know, we don't, I don't know what makes a great anesthesiologist. Jeez. Oh, I had, to, I had to, to pick that word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doctor. Um, you know, and then you kind of maybe go into, well, what is, as a, as a lay person, you might like, what is the criteria for, for how I would pick a good one? Well, how many people have died in the, in the care of this person? Mm. And so, so even that would be, there's certain criteria that even me as a lay person could go into and say, you know what? Half of your patients have died and Larry over here, uh, only 25% and Pam over here, 10%. Well, I'm going to pick Pam just because my criteria is the, the anesthesiologist with the least amount of deaths. I'm going to kind of trust that person over other, you know, (laughs) the Mm. ones with the more. Uh, so again, I think you start to, you start to see that why criteria is important, even for the lay person in that we need accurate, good information to help us to make good decisions, even whenever, cause you did hear this during COVID a lot is like, um, <clears throat> you know, don't do your own research. I have never in my entire life heard anybody ever say that till just recently. Well, it's so funny because there's a blatant contradiction there. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not going to require anybody to pass the SAT. But also when it comes to issues of your health, you shouldn't do your own research. Yeah. It, like you're not testing the people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not supposed to test the people either. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and that is this, I guess that's why I say that culture is engaged in this project of removing mm. all units of measurement. Mm. And it makes the world a smaller place and none of us are going to be very good at but, anything. And then... Well, if we can't, if we're not allowed to test anybody and I'm mm-hmm. not allowed to do test, test things for myself, then mm-hmm. what's left? I guess somebody in government just tells me everything. And well, that's, a, that's tyranny. It is. And, and you also see us with the whole, uh, you know, police officers too is, is you know, there's, there's, there's some focus on, okay, well, we need, we need better criteria to help get better officers into, you know, these positions and, you know, more testing along the way and continuing education. Uh, so that was, that was one argument for getting better police, policemen, police, police people on the, on the, in the field. And then there's these people, <laughs> I don't know. So does I trip over everything? Are you trying to be politically correct? I was, and I just, <laughs> all right, policemen. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so there's police th- bodies. <laughs> So trying to get those people into like uh, into position, having some sort of like higher standards, <clears throat> and then there's this other reaction is like just get rid of them all completely because mm-hmm. you know they're all bad. Like all all cops are bastards. You know, there's a sort of like it's like a almost demolish the whole category because of you know for some reason it might be because of the few or because of they're all like that, you know? And, and so it's, it's interesting to kind of see that sort of like removing all the criteria can also affect as far as, um, uh, even measuring, is there a problem here? You know, with the police thing that you Mm -hmm. brought, brought up earlier is like, is there a problem here? What is the problem? Okay. Maybe we should have some more, you know, focus around, you know, people that have, uh, Asperger's or, or, um, uh, some sort of, you know, mental illness and that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, that would be a good area. Okay. That's okay. Let's, let's, let's put that box in the, in the policing, uh, you know, criteria of before they go out into the world. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's not that we should have less criteria. It seems like we should have more criteria that mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. measure against. Mm. Which I think was your point at the very beginning, too. Well, you need you need a simultaneously higher and tr- more transcendent categories, mm-hmm. and also more stringent sets of criteria. But maybe this is part of the kind of the shadow thing that you were mm. alluding to earlier. There can be uh. if you if you set so many criteria that you basically filter everybody out like take the police force for example we say well everybody needs to pass these 50 health uh, examinations Mm -hmm. these 50 mental health checks um, 
you know, you can imagine that if you set up enough of those, you'd weed enough people out to where you wouldn't have a police force. <laughs> it's just one person. <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, if you dictate police behavior such that everything is accounted for, mm-hmm. it will... Well, it will limit any individual police officer's ability to use intuition to respond to a situation, Mm -hmm. which often is what happens in acts of heroism. Mm. You know, the person who runs into the burning house to save a baby, they don't do that because of some set of policies and and procedures and and criteria for behavior. Mm Mm-hmm. They do that because something inside of them says, I'm saving that life, you know, I'm, and, and you need the freedom to be able to do things like that while also having enough protections in place that we protect ourselves from the inevitable incompetence of certain individuals within any given group, whether that's police officers or firefighters or mm-hmm. um, surgeons yeah I think that the the procedures are there to protect from incompetence not to ensure positive outcomes I think that's a really good distinction you made it's kind of got me thinking about positive rights versus negative rights so negative rights are rights that the government is not allowed to do like positive rights is something that is given to you like like in mm-hmm. the French government gives the people the right to free speech, like or, or within a certain category, you know, right. where right. that right is inherent with us and the government is not allowed to infringe on that. We have unalienable rights mm-hmm. and the government shall not infringe mm-hmm. on them except yeah. in specific cases. Yeah. Whereas... The French, this is what you're saying, mm-hmm. is the French system is more like you do, You have no rights except for the rights that we specify. Mm-hmm. And we give you the right of, of free speech. I think that's also a Canadian, uh, British common law. I think that's that's where it kind of comes down from is the is the government's giving you that right. It's mm-hmm. not inherent in you. Right. Uh, which is which is, makes the U.S. system a lot different where it is inherent in the individual and the government's not allowed to infringe on that, mm-hmm. on that right of the individual which is a complete, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a genius move because then it puts the the power and the people and the governments, again, a servant of the people. It really is kind of amazing to me that the core principles of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and Bill of Rights mm-hmm. is applicable still. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's arguable, but when I think about it, like even that thing that you just laid out, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me that they got that mm-hmm. back then the world was a very different place yeah and maybe the thing is that human nature doesn't change mm-hmm. and they understood human nature and the thing that still applies is human nature despite the fact that we live very different lives with very different concerns maybe that's all just superfluous maybe our the root of our concerns is the root of is is in human nature which spans across all civilizations and all time frames. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we definitely know, and again, I think this is something they experience too, is when power uh, uh, sort of what do you got, congeals at the top. Consolidates. Consolidates at the top. <laughs> congeals. <laughs> Clots. Clots. Clots at the top. Yeah, yeah, consolidates at the top. You know, that's where a lot of tyranny happens is, you know, you see this ever from, from Rome you know, there was this idea of there are certain times where the they would instill this godlike power on the emperor, and the emperor was supposed to then hand it back. And the idea was that sometimes it, it, it we needed a leader to make the decisions and us to move forward as a country. Mm-hmm. And I would say, honestly, in my college years, I, I felt like I understood that. I was like, yeah, of course. Sometimes you, you just need someone to take over and move. But the problem with that is, is it very rarely, if ever, is then given back. Mm-hmm. When you give power to somebody, I think the only person, one of the few people that did that was George Washington. You know, he mm-hmm. was given power over the army. And at that time, it wasn't really said that 
you you then give that power over to somebody else. Like he could have been king if they he wanted, wanted him to be king. They wanted right? him to be king, yeah. And that was something that he which was just an amazing feat that he actually did kind of give that power back and mm-hmm. lay, it basically laid the army back down at the feet of the Congress, you mm-hmm. know, um, which I think that was, I think that was probably one of the most pivotal moments, what George Washington did mm. and why we, and how he became what we are today, you know, at least from a, uh, government standpoint. That is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, you see this now there's, there's, there's all this, bureaucracy that has sort of stifled um uh or has continues to kind of build in our institutions our our college our government and it's like there's a part that we we know is that you know if you want something done well a bureaucracy can do some things but it's clumsy and inefficient and uh <laughs> well, it just doesn't do it very well. And so if we're going to, if, if we keep having this sort of, uh, buildup of this administrative class, that's not really, uh, tied to the outcomes of what they're instituting. Uh, you start having, uh, a, a power structure that's getting really heavy at the top. And I think mm-hmm. probably in the, in the universities, you see this, the most clear is where you have, I think it's like, 20 to one professors or something like that, depending on the college, it's some outrageous number. It might even be more than that. I don't really, I know it's administ- administrators mm-hmm. rather than faculty. And yeah. I don't really understand the difference, but the, mm-hmm. the number of administrators is like outnumbers mm-hmm. faculty, something like 20 to one. Mm-hmm. So if we don't, as a culture, so I think there's something really deranging about the idea of removing measurement and removing criteria. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you become less, less engaged, less tuned in, more distracted. And that does seem to kind of de- describe our culture. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have as a culture, a group project like going to the moon mm-hmm. or a clear, clearly identified enemy like the Soviet Union mm-hmm. or a war to fight that we're all engaged in to some degree, which I don't think will really ever happen again. Like I'm thinking about the degree to which everyone was engaged in World War II. You know, businesses were transformed into making mati- supplies for the war, right? Yeah. <clears throat> farms were co-opted and subsidied. For, like a lot of farms here in Texas uh, raised goats mohair to make mohair uniforms for the soldiers um so you had people really on a broad level engaged in that activity and then the the space program represented this big dream and the output of that was we did things we thought impossible invented things we couldn't imagine and along the way transformed our day-to-day lives mm. you know through things like the invention of velcro and uh, you know other all Microwave, kinds of other things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and if we don't have a god mm-hmm. what could possibly unite us in some way that got us moving as a group towards something better like it's interesting that, you know, Biden ran and he said, I'm going to be the president of unity. And I'm not sure that a president can unify this country. Hmm. Because we don't have shared vision. We don't have shared goals. We don't have shared values anymore. Hmm. So what could change? That's a really, that's a really good question. And I think that's, and I think it's I think there's a few different stories being told. Like you do have more of like the surface level stories that are being told in our social media, mainstream media, uh, politics, uh, and the, then there's these amazing stories that are sort of under underneath that nobody wants to talk about, and that that kind of baffles me as far as you know. 
I saw this one video of all the rockets that SpaceX shot into uh, the into the world or into the space over like a 2008, I think it was when the first one was, to like present. And it was like time was going by and one went off, one went off. And then by the time we got to 2016 and 17, it was like... <laughs> you know, in, in like the 20, rate at which they're launching rockets. Yeah, now. it was yeah. like insane. It obviously was a time lapse, but it was mm-hmm. it was just it was like almost like a steady stream uh, of rockets going and landing, going and landing, and right. then one would blow up. And for some reason, that stuff's not moving. Like you and I text this stuff back to each other. It's like, oh my gosh, did you see what happened here? And and think it's amazing, but. I mean, are, as a culture, are we just too? I feel like we're we're becoming the danger, the dangerous housewives. The what do you call them? <laughs> the, the housewives. Dang, dangerous housewives. Yeah, the the TV show. Real housewives. The real. Housewives. Oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously, I don't watch it. <laughs> but it's it's like we're wanting this tantalizing sort of dopamine hit that is more like candy than it is something of substance like a like a real something to aspire to mm-hmm. and there was a this is i think this is kind of more anecdotal but someone uh, said that you know when you ask like chinese kids you know what they want to grow up to be it's like it's an engineer or uh some sort of mathematician and you know u.s kids are you know basically i want to be an influencer right. you know and not necessarily one's a streamer a streamer and but i think that's like what are what what are we aspiring to? Like what's maybe we've lost our way a little bit in the U.S. as far as having goals and and dreams and something that unifies us. I don't know. I, I, it I, seems that way to me. I mean, there's definitely the idea of the fourth turning, which is sort of like there's a we're in this period of time where we've just lost faith in all of our institutions, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a time where things are sort of torn down and laid bare and new things are built uh, and hopefully in a good way. And because and, that's sort of as it sort of happens naturally over time is that, you know, some, you know, there's a sort of like time where people are building something and it becomes really amazing and everyone celebrates it, the space program. And then after a period of time, it sort of like devolves into sort of. I mean, that's kind of happening with AI right now, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. As far as like new user adoption, mm-hmm. Chat GPT grew faster than oh yeah, Facebook, YouTube, Google. Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, all these other platforms. It's mm-hmm. like people are really interested in this. Mm-hmm. That is something that's kind of got us exciting, excited but terrified. <laughs> terrified too. Yeah. Well, the conversation is going a lot faster too. The, the terrifying aspect is is equally. Um, prominent in, in the conversation. It's mm-hmm. like, should we be doing this? And well, and I'm sure a lot of people were saying that about the space program. Oh, true. Should we be doing this? What kind of craziness is this going to open us up to? What kind of dangers? What kind of disease are these guys going to bring back from the moon? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, I'm glad you reminded me of that fourth turning idea hmm. because I find hope in that. Hmm. How so? Well, and that some that that's when new things are built. Yeah. Mm. And those new things is is what we're in need of. New hopes, new dreams, new inspirations, new technologies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need something to be interested in other than TikTok and Instagram. I mean, well, I think legacy media is probably going to go away. I think other institutions like like even stuff like movies and 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 the culture surrounding that like the Oscars and like you've really seen the idea of celebrity move from a very small class of Hollywood people hmm. to anyone with an iPhone can become a celebrity yeah you know and <clears throat> so like it's not as exclusive the result of that is mm-hmm. like people don't really care about the Oscars anymore mm-hmm. or the Grammys or whatever like so all of these old bastions of the end of the 20th century are they're not making much sense anymore Mm. and i think we're trying to figure out what makes sense now Mm -hmm. what makes sense in this new era of 
post-internet, post-social networks. And then really we're going to have to make sense of what is the world post-AI. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's going to be the Gen Xers or the millennials who really give inspiring and competent answers to those questions. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be Gen Z mm-hmm. and their generation and you know their kids who are really going to transform our society into something much better than it is now. Mm-hmm. If we don't burn it all down before they get the chance <laughs> yeah totally uh, well that's actually also hopeful you know there's that you know you uh you invest when there's blood in the water and it, it does seem like there's mm. sort of blood in the water right now as mm-hmm. far as like you know just kind of mentioning all the things that are sort of dying it's like this is probably the most exciting time to build and to if you have uh, an, uh you or you know individuals or or groups of people have vision, people are going to latch onto that because I think that's something that people will be even more hungry for as we move further into, you know, 2030 and stuff is, is those who have vision, I think will really capture the imagination of people. Mm-hmm. Cause at some point you're going to get tired of eating candy and you're going to eat toothaches and, <laughs> and all that kind of, and tummy aches, you know, and, uh, you're going to be looking for something real and, and I don't think we've I don't think we've messed it up just yet because again a lot of the things we're doing with school and testing and and uh, just confusing our kids in general and like what uh, you know what does it mean to move into the future you know is it is there anything about having family or you know what does it mean to be seventy years old uh, you don't have that sort of influence kind of giving you that sort of here's the spectrum of life and. Um, so I think that's something that I don't think that we have that sort of effect yet of what, of what that, the impact of the last 10 or 15 years of the, uh, sort of, I guess we can a little bit like helicopter parents and then the parent, like the kids that have come from, from that sort of generation, uh, and overprotected and, uh, you know, the, again, these are all cliches. But the, again, a lot of times cliches kind of help us get a kind of ha- handle on some of these ideas. But, um, you know, I think that getting rid of the criteria in order to measure ourselves against is definitely uh, hasn't run its hasn't run its course yet. So, Right. I know. <laughs> well, I feel like that's too a, a downer of, good, a, of a depressing place to end this conversation. Well, I guess to come back to the other part is like, I think that's why it's an exciting time because, you know, as we sort of, you know, wake up to some of the things that we haven't been paying attention to, mm-hmm. that's something that I, I definitely feel that way over the last, you know, it's been, it's been a really confusing last five years with, and I'm going to use Trump as a sort of the starting point to this. And then, but it was, I think for me, it was more of an eye opener as far as like his excessive personality and then, and then everyone's reaction to that excessive personality. Then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. You're all crazy. <laughs> and so I feel like it's, it's like waking up after a hangover of like two administrations that are just crazy and going, Oh, we need something. We need to do something different here. And that's, I think that's the positive aspect of it is that, I'm hoping that we all are kind of seeing, we need to do something different here. Well, I guess you do hear that said a lot. Mm-hmm. We need to do something, yeah. whether it's about guns or racism or school choice or all kinds of things. It's just that nobody's offering any coherent or competent suggestions about what it is that we should do. I hope we wake up to that and that we, well, simultaneously, I hope that we begin to acknowledge reality so that we can have a place from which to measure things. I hope we have the audacity to cast big visions and Mm -hmm. set transcendent ideals. And then I hope that we figure out how to courageously test ourselves against that and not be abusive when we fall short, not be abusive about the criteria that we impose, 
but also that we don't remove criteria altogether as a solution to protect against abuse. Hmm. I hope that we move forward. And all of those things, I think, you know, is, is described in its best state, the state that I hope for, as something like love. It's to acknowledge who we are. It's to acknowledge who we could become. And it's to try and fail and try again. Hmm. That's what moves the world into a better place. And I think that if we can do that on an individual level and then do that at, at a family level and then a community level, I think we can start doing that as a country again. And I hope that we do. Yeah. That's a good place to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming out to the shores. Love you guys. Thanks for being here and listening, yeah. everyone. Love you all out there. Bye. Adios. <laughs>